The reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 to 23. And if you want to follow, it's on page 966. For me, the Christmas story um, sometimes gets uh, very familiar. But uh, when we stop and and think about it, how how miraculous um, it is. And the sense of wonder how God... Um, protected Jesus. So this is the next um, stage. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said to the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judah, in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. This is the word of the Lord. Do you know, it's amazing that Here I Am, Majesty is one of those worship songs that just the Holy Spirit really, I can feel it. It's like putting on that really warm and comfortable coat. And the last time that I gave a sermon, we sang that song. It's just, you know, I I don't know why I'm surprised by God and his power. So let's just pray just very quickly for a moment. So dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. And we just pray now that your Holy Spirit comes amongst us all. Be with us this morning and allow the power of your Spirit to speak through me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this is officially the after Christmas reading. So I'm pleased that we were still singing some Christmas worship songs. I'm going to do this in two parts if you don't mind. I'm just going to reflect a little bit on Christmas and then we'll pick up on the reading. So, how was your Christmas? Did Father Christmas bring everything that you wanted Did you spend time with friends and family? 
Did you eat your own body weight in turkey, in Christmas pudding and chocolate? Did you spend a small fortune on gifts, presents? And did you manage to get them to everybody on time? I've still got one for my sister that I haven't given her yet. I haven't seen her. Christmas, I think, is truly a joy. But is it? Oh, I'm so happy all that's over. The truth is, for many people, Christmas is over now. And it's another 10 or 11 months before they have to think about it and worry about it again. In researching this um, lesson today, I found someone who described Christmas like skydiving. I've never skydived, so I don't know. But this is what they've said. Christmas is like that sense of freedom and excitement you feel when you jump out of an aeroplane and you're free falling through the air. You feel the wind around your face. You can see the beauty of the world for miles around. The earth is rushing rushing towards you. You pull the ripcord, your parachute jerks open and you hit the ground with a jolt. For a few brief moments, you felt a wonderful exhilaration and then plop. You are on the ground, facing reality once again, back to the humdrum of everyday life. So is that what's happened with Christmas? Christmas is wonderful and then plop, we're back to reality again. Probably most of us are still off on holiday at the moment. So I was thinking about this and I have my own reflections actually. I've always loved Christmas, always loved Christmas. When I was much younger, late teenagers and early 20s, I worked in a pub. Through my pub work, I got invited to take part in corporate events and and providing for big corporate parties around Christmas time. I loved it, the food, the drink, the atmosphere. One year I worked 15 Christmas parties, I ate 10 Christmas dinners and I probably drank a whole lifetime of beer all before Christmas Day itself. And that can seem the norm actually for an awful lot of people. It's just one massive party or just a whole series of parties And people will celebrate Christmas without actually celebrating Christ. The birth of Jesus for far too many people is just a story. Just like Santa Claus uh, or the Grinch. It's just a party, an excuse to have all that excess. Since realising God's been waiting for me and for me to open that door to let him in, Christmas has taken on a different meaning. And my Christmas now includes Christ. I love it and I love everything that we do here. I love that build-up. I love the worship. I love Advent. But, you know, it's really interesting. You know, I don't really share my faith a great deal with people around me, particularly with people at work. You know, running up to Christmas, there's talk around the office. You know, what are you doing for Christmas? What are you looking forward to? the most at Christmas and I'll tell you most of the time my answer's been this I'm looking forward to the break I'm looking forward to the holiday because what I like about the Christmas holiday is most other people are off on holiday as well so when I get back to work after two weeks off there hasn't been that build-up of more work 
so my pile of things to do hasn't got any bigger. And that's been my answer. At no time has my answer been about the real reason for Christmas and celebrating Christ. And actually, what's really interesting is when I do talk about my faith to people at work, I'm always surprised by the answer. I was telling somebody, a work colleague who I've known for some time now, quite a brutal man actually, um, about preparing this sermon. And he turned around and he said, oh I did a, a talk, an after Christmas talk for our church youth group youth group many many years ago why why am I surprised by God's power why am I surprised by that I've never talked to this guy about my faith before but like I say most of the time Christmas is more about having an excuse to that excess than the opportunity to talk about Jesus and who he really is do you know I was out in the car on Friday with Sasha And an advert came on the radio about booking a summer holiday in Florida. And he went something like, now the excitement of Christmas is over, book your exciting holiday in Florida. Sasha's in the back of the car, she pipes up, what happened to Easter? (laughs) It's quite true, isn't it? So Christmas comes and Christmas goes, and life moves on very, very quickly. Our tree's still up, but there's nothing underneath it anymore. Visiting family and friends have gone home. And it's a rush to the shops to find out what bargain you can buy. Most people have a this, this week off work. I, I have this week off. And there's another party to come yet. We've got New Year in the middle of this week. It's a great opportunity to have a, a little bit more excess before we go back and recover for work next Monday. All that preparation, all that excitement, all that expense, and now it's over for another year. Of the turkey, there's probably still that one turkey curry to come. But actually then it will be back to normal, won't it? Whatever that means. So, that first Christmas for Mary and Joseph, I'm sure they were hoping for life to return to normal as well. If you think our Christmases are busy, just imagine what it was like. So we've had that build up and I've really enjoyed that. The story um, of Mary and Joseph travelling to Bethlehem and the birth of Christ. But it must have been a really, really difficult time, mustn't it, if you imagine that. It's a long journey from Bethlehem to, to Bethlehem. And it wasn't for a winter holiday. They were on their way there for the census and to pay their taxes It's not the easiest to do at the best of times, let alone when you're nine months pregnant. Mary and Joseph, they would have walked or they would have travelled in a car or maybe on a donkey. Can you imagine that? Today we can just jump in the car or go and wait for a bus. It was years before the invention of the telephone. There was no calling ahead to book a room. There's no internet, there's no... TripAdvisor or hotelbooking.com. Even if the internet did exist, lastminute.com would have only have given them the, the stable, a smelly old barn with straw and animals. And then there was giving birth in a stable. There's no midwife, there's no doctor, there's no gas, there's no air. Well, there might have been a little bit of gas from the cows, I suppose. 
that very first Christmas, the birth of Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. And then the first unexpected guests turn up, the shepherds. Their day had been far from normal as well. The angels were appearing and announcing the birth of Jesus, sending the shepherds off to see for themselves. Often when we see the nativity and the pictures, the wise men are there at the same time. But actually that probably didn't happen until Jesus was, I don't know, maybe a year old. The wise men came from the east and they worshipped Jesus, bringing the gifts with them. So that, that very first Christmas was so completely different to our Christmas today. So very different to probably what the vast majority of people do today, that part of modern Britain. So what next? Now that Christmas is over, what next? Well, actually, Christmas doesn't stop here. It was and still is one of the most important events in the whole of history. The birth of Jesus Christ was and is an event that changed the world's relationship with God. So the story doesn't stop. And we've just heard what happened next. And actually things took a turn for the worst. The Gospel of Matthew records the difficulties that happened after that first Christmas. The normal life that Mary and Joseph had been hoping for were not to be. Matthew records the tears, the fears, the pain and the problems. It's not a pretty part of the Christmas story. And it's not something that we're likely to find in a Christmas card or maybe even in a Christmas carol. Joseph himself, he plays such an important part of the Christmas story. But actually, we, very, we hear very little about Joseph and what actually happened to him. Joseph was the person who became Jesus' stepfather. And if it wasn't for him, the next chapter in their lives could have turned out quite differently. Do you know, I did Alpha. I came to faith through Alpha about, what, 18 years ago. And there's this really... I don't know if Nicky Gumbel still does it today, but there's this, this story that he does about um, uh, a police recruit doing a, um, an exam. And actually, if you listen to UCB radio, it's, it's come up on there a few times over the last month, which is why I've decided to include it today. That's the Holy Spirit working away. It goes like this. A young police officer was taking his final exam at Hendon Police College in North London when he came to this question. You are on patrol in London when an explosion occurs in a gas main in a nearby street. On investigation, you find that a large hole has been blown in the footpath and there's an overturned van lying nearby. Inside the van is a strong smell of alcohol. Both occupants, a man and a woman, are injured. You recognise the woman as the wife of your chief inspector who is at present abroad on a conference. A passing motorist stops to offer help and you realise that he's a man wanted for a series of violent armed robberies. Just at that moment, a man runs up from a nearby house shouting that his wife is expecting a baby and the shock of the explosion, explosion has made the birth imminent. Another man is crying for help, having been thrown into an adjacent canal by the explosion and he can't swim. 
Bearing in mind the provisions of the Mental Health Act, describe in a few words what actions would you take? The young police officer thought for a moment, picked up his pen, and he wrote these words. I would take off my uniform and mingle with the crowd. That's normal life, isn't it? Mingling with the crowd. I think it's so easy to dismiss Christ and life in faith, with faith, because it can be challenging. And it's so much easier to mingle with the crowd. But Joseph, faced with everything that he was faced with, he didn't mingle with the crowd. Joseph has such an important role. But actually, there's nothing ever recorded in the Bible as to what Joseph actually said. Joseph can be easily forgotten in the Christmas story. The emphasis has always been on Jesus and Mary and the shepherds and the wise men. But after that first Christmas, life would never be the same if it wasn't for Joseph. Thankfully, the Gospel of Matthew gives a lot more detail about what happened to Joseph, Mary and Jesus, as we've just heard. Let's just, for a moment, let's just look back over who Matthew actually is. So I think it's commonly agreed, I'm going to look at Pads and Kirsty, it's commonly agreed that Matthew, who was otherwise known as Levi, and he was one of the twelve apostles he himself barely gets a mention actually in any of the gospels Matthew is, is or Matthew was a tax collector I believe yes is that right an accountant maybe possibly and on meeting Jesus he spent three years living close to him Matthew sees Jesus as the king of the Jews and the one who fulfills the promises of the prophets Matthew starts his writing with the ancestral line to David and how the birth of Jesus fulfills prophecy. So Matthew's account of the life of Jesus follows the same path of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, and it's widely accepted that they shared the same material. Are you nodding at me? Have I got this bit right? But Matthew is much more full than Mark. Mark's a bit more bang, straight through. Matthew is much more detailed. So whilst Mark was writing for unbelievers, Matthew is writing for new believers. And that would have been converted Jews at the time. So it's important for Matthew to pick up and highlight the fulfilment of prophecy. That's why he wrote it the way he did. So, as we've heard, after the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt and the child and Mary and his mother. They stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken to the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. After the wise men visited Mary and Joseph and presented them with their free gifts, they leave. Mary and Joseph go to bed and Joseph has a dream. Remember, this isn't the first dream that Joseph has had. When an angel appeared to Mary and told her that she would become pregnant, God spoke to Joseph in a dream. 
In this dream, an angel of the Lord tells Joseph to flee to Egypt because Herod is going to kill Jesus. So there's several things to learn from this passage. Joseph was obedient to God. He didn't waste time. He didn't go and mingle with the crowd. He didn't wait until morning. He got them packed up that night and he headed out to Egypt. In the middle of the night, God said, get up and go. Joseph didn't argue. He didn't ask for a plan B. He didn't wait to try and figure it all out. He just obeyed. The next point is that God provided. When God calls, he provides in Egypt. And God provided financially for Joseph, Mary and Jesus. People ask, what happened to the gold that the wise men bought? Well, there's your answer. The gold that the wise men bought provided for Mary, Joseph and Jesus whilst they were in Egypt. Herod was furious. When he realised that the wise men had outwitted him, he sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem that were two years old and younger. Mary and Joseph and Jesus left at the right time. The land that had once enslaved the Jews, God now used to protect his people. Herod himself was a mean, vicious person. History has a lot to say about Herod. Caesar Augustus is quoted as saying it would be better to be King Herod's pig than his son. Pigs were protected by law, Herod's family weren't. King Herod had already killed two of his own sons. He had them strangled, apparently. He also killed one of his ten wives because he thought that she was having an affair. He killed his 18-year-old brother-in-law because the Jews liked him more than they liked Herod. Herod also killed his favourite wife's grandfather and her 80-year-old uncle who had once saved his life. He also killed his own uncle and his mother-in-law. Herod was the sort of person that would have no hesitation at all in ordering all those babies in the Bethlehem area to be killed. He was a very, very dangerous man. But the third point of the reading is God's perfect plan. God's plan is always perfect. A situation can never occur that brings surprise to God. God doesn't need to have a plan B. The prophet Hosea wrote that God's son would be called out of Egypt and that's found in Hosea chapter 11 verse 1. After Herod's death, Joseph had another dream and the angel speaks to him and again there's no questions, there's no arguing, there's no problem, there's no mingling with the crowd. Joseph, Mary and Jesus head off to Nazareth. God had protected them. So after the joy of the Christmas story, I think there's three things to take from this desperate after story. The first is this. The safest place to be is where God leads you. The wise men followed a star and it led them to Jesus. The wise men followed God's instructions in a dream and they escaped from Herod and his raft. Joseph followed the angel's instructions in a a dream and escaped to Egypt. Joseph followed God's 
instruction in a dream and he went to Nazareth. They all went to Nazareth. The safest place you can be is the centre of God's will. Whatever path you take in life, God knows where it's leading and how much better to follow the path that he leads you down. The second point, and this really struck me when I first read this, all the way back in the summer when Pads sent these, um, this season's readings out, was being a Christian doesn't stop you from having trouble or getting into trouble. The Christmas story has difficulty and suffering. Mary and Joseph had to flee for their life. And those multitudes of innocent babies killed by Herod, by that mad king. But God leads us through our problems and our situations. He provides a way through. So you're not exempt from trouble, but God, if you believe and trust in him, he will lead you through them. He gives us strength when we need it. He comforts us. He's always with us. We need to trust him and we need to follow the path that he set before us. Please don't lose faith when things get tricky and be tempted to mingle with the crowd. The third is that God is in control. We can always feel safe when we're living in God's will. That doesn't mean that we live, our lives are going to be trouble-free or that bad things won't happen, but God is in control. Everything that's happened in the Christmas story and in that after story was planned by God. He is in the Christmas story every part of the way and he is in our lives every part of the way. God is in control. Just wanted to finish really. There's one person over Christmas who never has any fear of talking about their faith in Jesus Christ. And they said this, of course, at the heart of the Christmas story lies the birth of a child, a seemingly small and insignificant step overlooked by many in Bethlehem. But in time, through his teaching and by his example, Jesus Christ would show the world how small steps taken in faith and in hope can overcome long-held differences and deep-seated divisions to bring harmony and understanding. Many of us already try to follow in his footsteps. The path, of course, is not always smooth and may at times have felt quite bumpy, but small steps can make a world of difference. The Queen, in her Christmas message, went on to say that Whilst Jesus Christ came to a divided world all those years ago, it is very relevant today, as is the message of peace and goodwill. If only I could find those sorts of words when people were asking me about my faith. And of course the Queen speaks to millions of people in her Christmas message. So how do we stop ourselves from mingling with the crowd when things get tricky, when things get tough? And we're not quite sure what it is that God's asking us to do. Let's make Christmas mean something. So when the ordinary, normal reality of life starts again, maybe next Monday, how do we make Christmas mean something? Well, we heard from Pads at the carol service last week about the Alpha Course. 
The Alpha course starts soon. It says in your um, in your pamphlet today, the 15th of January at 7.45. I would strongly recommend the Alpha course. I did the Alpha course. And it doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for a long, long time. It doesn't matter. I would really recommend, I can't express enough how brilliant Alpha is, and I guarantee that give it a few weeks, get into it, that you will look forward to going back. And you will gain so much from the experience. There's something there. okay. And of course there's the fellowship of the people that will be on the course with you as well. So I would really strongly recommend that. It doesn't matter who you are, how long you've been a Christian, give it a go. My second suggestion, for me, it works for me, I'm just going to suggest it, is tune into UCB Radio. I like coming along to the Sunday service. But then what? What fills the gap between Sundays? There's a whole host of things you can do, of course. There's things that happen here at church. But for me, I tune into UCB Radio. And it provides a real mix of, well, their words, edifying mix of praise and worship, together with Bible-based encouragement. UCB is available on digital radio. And of course, UCB publish the word for today that you can sign up to as well. It's another good way. So finally, the truth is there is no end to the Christmas story. It's just the beginning. At home with the kids, we pray every night, thanking God for what he's given us and for what is yet to come. Christmas is the start of the adventure. Amen.